This summer, the Utah Foundation released the final installment in its eight-part Social Capital series. The series examined roughly 30 metrics in seven topical areas. They included civic engagement, social trust, community life, family life, social cohesion, social mobility, and the focus on the next generation. The report, The Network of Relationship, Utah's Social Capital Index, is the final in the series. It takes together the findings of the previous seven reports. Senior analyst Christopher Collard and I discuss the momentous findings of the final report in this edition of Utah Thrives, the Utah Foundation podcast. I'm Peter Reichardt. Hi, Christopher. Hi, Peter. Well, we've got to the end of this series. We began way back in September of 2021 and wrapped up the series in late July of 2022 with this report taking together the results of all of the metrics and all of the topics we looked at over the course of the seven previous reports. As we were going through, interestingly, as researchers, you get a sense of what's going on, but it really was striking to see how much different Utah is from the rest of the country when we put all these social capital factors together. Yeah, Utah did did jump out a little bit more than we were expecting. So we gave Utah a social capital index score of 94. Now, we had measured this over time. This was higher than stopping points we looked at in 2013 and 2017 when the index stood at 84 and then 79. This is actually a significant increase for Utah. But what does that number mean when we say an index score of 94? Can you kind of describe how do we come up with a number like that? We're taking 30 different metrics and we're kind of trying to find a way to standardize them, looking at how they fall on a normal scale, which is kind of what we we normally refer to as a bell curve, uh, where most most states tend to cluster around the average. And then the further out you get, the fewer the fewer they are at the extremes. So we were able to kind of plot these all out on a bell curve and, and basically kind of statistically manipulate them to, to kind of overlap each other. So they all carry more or less the same weight. Um, so we, we first did that by category. Each of the, each of the subjects in each of the seven categories were kind of averaged out. Um, and then we kind of averaged each of the seven categories to kind of generate this total score. Normally, a, a, a bell curve is just kind of falls between more or less between negative one and one. But we, we just kind of did some math to kind of make this, this scale tend to fall between zero and 100. And, you know, if, if Utah does a lot better, we might kind of exceed 100. Or, or you know, if there's a state that's really bad, it, it might fall between zero. But, but generally, most everything is going to fall between zero and 100. And we should say that this number really matters because if you have low social capital, you're going to have weaker economic and social outcomes, not only for individuals, but for the larger society. There's also a cost to that. Obviously, if you have poor social outcomes, you're going to have more of a need for law enforcement and social services and education interventions and things like that. Social capital really is linked to a, a number of different factors in, in economics and in, in political participation and kind of community health. It's definitely linked to a lot of different topics. Let's talk about this finding. We, you know, when we look at the composite index score, the score of 94, 
it's a pretty outstanding score. I mean, where does this put this in the rankings nationally? And then how does this compare to the national average? Utah definitely is, is first in the nation with its score of 94. Um, there's some other states. Minnesota is, is kind of in the 90. Vermont, North Dakota, Maine, New Hampshire are all, all among the top states as well. Um, and then also like two other Western states, Colorado and Wyoming, they're also among the top 10. We do stand substantially higher than the national average. And one of the biggest reasons that is, is some of the biggest states in the nation are in the bottom 10 or bottom 11. Um, states like Florida, states like Texas, California, and New York. I mean, so those are some of the, the four biggest states in the nation, the four most populous states in the nation. Mm-hmm. And, and they're very near the bottom. And that kind of brings down this national average. Um, so that's why that's why you see such a big difference between between Utah and the national average. And that's why there's maybe like uh, close to 30, 35 to 40 states above the national average. With our score at 94, that compares to the national average of 54, a pretty big gap uh, yeah. on a point basis. And then just to provide the scale, the lowest state, Florida, comes in at 31. The Western states really kind of show the scale in some ways. So Utah's the highest in the nation, um, coming in at 94. And then also like Wyoming and Colorado also perform pretty well, just, just a little bit below 80. Um, but So, I mean, we have three states in the top 10, but we also have three states in the bottom five. Um, and that's Arizona, Nevada, and New Mexico. And then Florida is the only state lower than those three. And then you have um, Idaho kind of in the middle and Montana kind of in the upper middle of it. So the Western states do kind of provide a, a pretty good image of the range that, that the U.S. states fall in. And, and so what that means is it's not some regional feature. It's something that's pretty specific to each state in the region. Let's talk about each one of the categories. We talked about that there's seven categories. When we did the individual reports, we looked at different metrics and we went through those metrics in these reports. But we didn't do category tallies to see where Utah ended up. We waited until this last report to do this. And there are a lot of interesting things here. First, let's talk about civic engagement. So when we're talking about civic engagement, we're trying to we're trying to measure how people leverage networks and social capital to make political changes. Um, so we're looking at voter participation. We're looking at participation in public meetings. And then uh, we also looked at kind of uh, how how Utahns gathered in associations, particularly um, advocacy organizations, the, the organizations that are trying to make some sort of political change. Um, and we looked at the number of advocacy organizations per 1,000 people in the state. And so it's interesting. There we see a pattern where we have low participation in these associations like this. We're going to see this in other categories as well. And then certainly with voter participation, we're all over the place. But because we, we do fairly well, actually quite well in attendance at public meetings, we end up yeah. in the top third of states in terms of civic engagement. So, you know, not outstanding, but respectable. Right. So we've, we came in 13th place in, in that regard. Let's talk about social trust. First of all, it's a big issue right now. There's a lot of discussion of declining social trust, trust in institutions mainly. When you think about institutions like government and the media, and in our report, we talked about Utahns seem to have a high degree of trust in their neighbors, but we were looking at a little bit of a different set of metrics. We were really looking at how trustworthy Utah is, right? So what were some of the metrics we looked at there? So many of our metrics were looking at things that might erode that social trust. We were looking at, you know, the, the level of corruption in government or the level of 
fraud, um, and also like um, convictions where there was a breach of trust penalty. And those are those are convictions where there's somebody kind of in a trusted position, like a doctor or a lawyer, who who takes advantage of that that position in order to commit some sort of crime. Um, so we kind of we were looking at a lot of of things that might erode that social trust. And overall, Utah has pretty low levels of that type of crime. So where do we end up nationally here? So we we actually ended up third in the nation, um, and first among the mountain states on in this regard. Um, it, although it, Colorado and Wyoming weren't far behind. And we should note here that the trustworthiness of a society tends to correlate with social trust. You you have low social trust in areas with high levels of corruption and high levels of uh, neighborhoods with high levels of violent crime, that sort of thing. And so these uh, social tr- trust doesn't decline for no reason, I guess would be one way of putting it. Yeah, that's a good good way of summing it up. Another, next category we looked at was community life. And where do we land here? First of all, what do we mean by community life? So when we were talking about community life, we're looking at, um, this is, in many ways, this is like the the classic Thing people think about when they think about social capital is how do how do people interact in their communities? How do they leverage their networks to improve their communities and their lives um, there? Um, so things we were looking at were charitable donations, volunteerism, religious service attendance, participation in community projects. On all the, those specifically those four issues, Utah was in first or second place nationally in those metrics. Um, there were uh, also a number of others, other community life participation that we also looked at, like um, uh, we looked at how many organizations there were that were kind of dedicated to professional, professional improvement, um, and also the number of organizations devoted to non, non-professional organizations, and that, that might be things like, um, like club, social clubs or, uh, you know, like symphony, you know, non nonprofits organized around producing some sort of art like a symphony or dance um, and kind of looking at how how many of those organizations exist in the in the community that kind of tie the community together culturally and with those two categories we don't do so well but the other the other categories the charitable donations volunteerism religious service attendance participation in community projects we're so strong on those that it really pulls us up a lot in the community life category so where do we land in this community life category. Yeah, so so overall, we're we're in second place. We fall just behind um, South Dakota. Next category is family life. Yeah, so when we when we looked at family life, um, we kind of looked at the the factors kind of fell down in two different in two different structures. One was one was kind of surrounding um, the organization of families, kind of family structures, and then the second group of categories was kind of around how like the quality of of family time. And so in this first category, uh, family structure, we looked at the share of births to unmarried women. We looked at the share of adults um, between 35 and 65, 65 that are currently married. And we looked at the share of children living in a single parent family. And that kind of, those kind of uh, depicted the structure. And in those regards, Utah performed really well in all of those, in all of those regards. Um, the second, second group of categories was kind of like the quality of time that, that, that the family spent together. So we looked at the share of children five and under who had who had their parents read to them every day of the week. Um, we looked at the children of uh, share of children, you know, watching four or more hours of TV in the past week, or four or more hours on electronic devices. And we also looked at the share of families eating a meal together daily. Um, and this was actually one of the most interesting things we found during the course of our research that in the past Utah did not perform particularly well on these on these factors. 
um, looking at how parents spend spend times with their children um, and how families spend time together. But really, that really turned around in 2020 with the pandemic. Um, Utah just jumped jumped up to near the top of the nation on all of these factors and really kind of turned around in this topic. And that, that kind of made a big difference for it in its overall standing. Because of that turnaround in family health, Utah is first in the nation, followed by New Hampshire and Colorado. I guess one one big question going forward is is if Utah will be able to kind of maintain this higher level of quality family time that it kind of regained during the pandemic or if it will kind of revert to the mean that it was in the past and, and we might see this metric fall in future iterations. Let's move on to the next one. Social cohesion. What do we mean by social cohesion? When we're looking at social capital, one, one measures like how, how tightly are, are people linked together? And one of the things that really drive people together is just sharing a, a same culture or, or a same um, social structure. Um, and so we, we looked at the share of, of the population in each state that kind of fell in the middle class. We looked at um, both adults with limited English proficiency and students uh, with limited English, English proficiency. And also the, the share of this, the population that was born in the state of their current residence. And, and these kind of shook out in kind of different ways. Utah, Utah has a really strong middle class household. We, we do have a fair share of, of adults with, with limited English proficiency, but we have fewer students with limited English proficiency. Um, and then among Western states, uh, very few Western states have a very large population, share of the population born in the state. Um, just because the West is really just a target for for immigration. Um, but among Western states, Utah had the largest share um, of of natural born natural born state residents, I guess. Uh, overall, Utah ended up kind of in the middle of the pack on this one. Um, the states that 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 kind of came out on top ten were actually like South Dakota, West Virginia, Louisiana, and and a number of other kind of uh, states in the South, like Mississippi and and Kentucky, Alabama. So we're, um, we're, we're, middle, we're middle of the pack, but we do outperform the rest of the mountain states, or really the rest of the West altogether. I mean, get, and part of it obviously is the go West concept in America, where the West continues to populate with new people, either from other countries or from within the country. Yeah. Um, and so that's going to bring down the number of native born um, Utahns, but at the same time, we do outperform the other states in the region, and we and we do have a remarkably strong middle class. Yeah, so so definitely we stand out in terms of our middle class, um, but the rest of the factors, Utah doesn't perform as well. Second to last item is the focus on future generations. Yeah, when we were looking at the focus of future generations, we were looking at the investments in public parks and playground, and and the investments in public schools. And we base that off of personal income. So we said, look, if, if, if everybody in the state is earning this much money, how much of that money that people are earning, do they, do they pay in taxes and send it back to, to either public parks and playgrounds or public schools? Um, just kind of to, to gauge people how, you know, what, what level of investment are people really putting in these public services dedicated to children? Um, we also looked at birth rates um, and also the, the number of youth organizations per 1,000 youth. And so we ended up being not not top in the nation, but but among the top five, you know, states that really performed highly on this measure uh, were were North Dakota, Nevada, Alaska and Wyoming. Um, and then Utah comes in at fifth place. So this wasn't Utah's strongest point, but but still had a, a very respectable showing in this area. Absolutely. Fifth in the nation. Uh, that's nothing to complain about. 
let's wrap up the last item here is social mobility, that category. What does that category consist of? So when we looked at social mobility, we looked at the share of the population that are college graduates. We looked at home ownership rates. Um, we looked at economic mobility. And when we talk about economic mobility, we're talking about uh, the ability of, of your children to grow up earning more than, than their parent than you did, I guess, as their parents. Um, and we're also looking at the share of young adults, I guess, or teenagers and young adults, specifically those between 16 and 24, who are not either you know, employed somewhere, they're not um, furthering their education, or they're not in some sort of, of, of job training. So, I mean, if they're kind of falling outside of this, kind of being productive members of society in many ways. And so we looked at the share of, of these youth that, that are outside of, of education or training or employment. So Utah was definitely first in the nation in terms of economic mobility. Um, and while we had strong showings in terms of uh, the share of youth who are not unengaged, um, home ownership rates, and, and the share of the population that are college graduates, we, we did pretty respectable in those ranges as well. And so, and again, um, kind of like last time, we ended up in fifth place um, behind Massachusetts, Minnesota, New Hampshire, and South Dakota. It's not our strongest, strongest area, but, but definitely we do pretty well in this, in this social mobility category. So just to recap, we think about some of these categories again. Social cohesion, nothing to write home about. We're in the middle of the pack, but we are above average on social cohesion. But in terms of the 50 states, we're in the middle of the pack. Right. Civic engagement, I think you mentioned we're 13th, so kind of the, roughly the top third mm -hmm. uh, in the nation there. Then you get to these ones that we just went through when we look at our focus on future generations, when you, we look at social mobility, we're fifth in the nation on both of those. And then the ones we really stand out are in social trust, where we come in, in third place, community life, where we come in second place, and family health, where we come in first place. Okay. If I'm a policymaker, I say, well, what do I do with all this? This is great information, but now what do I do? What, what are your thoughts, Christopher? Is it, well, is it just basic background knowledge that every policymaker should have, or what are your thoughts? I think it. I think it definitely does provide a good, a good basic background for for people to understand the state Utah's in in terms of our social capital. Like we perform, this is this is something that we have, we do really well here, and I think oftentimes we talk about it in in different ways. Sometimes you might hear politicians talking about how well people in the state work together to kind of address common problems. Um, sometimes you might hear politicians talk about the Utah way, kind of referring to this this coming together to solve problems. And so like this, this in some ways kind of provides some data to back up that, that claim a little bit. Um, if, if we're like talking about like, what can policymakers really do with this information? I think the, the best information is often at the more, a little bit more at the more granular level. There were several issues that we kind of identified where, where Utah systematically did not do well. Um, and one of those was the number of groups per capita we have um, was we were, we were very low compared to the rest of the states on almost all of the, the groups we looked at, you know, whether that was youth, youth groups per 1000 youth or advocacy organizations or employment organizations or, or, or other organizations per, per 1000 people. On all of those kind of Utah really came in a, in a low place. We don't have a lot of organizations and maybe that's just because organizations are bigger or, or one, one thought we had was, was maybe um, people's uh, time commitment to one big organization like the the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints um, might like people's dedication and, and effort they put into to that organization might leave less time to spend to to some of these other organizations that where the where people outside of Utah might 
might be able to spend more time, more spread out their attention, I guess, was one thing we, we kind of talked about. Well, yeah, and um, one, one thing, too, is that maybe some of those functions, those associational functions and, or needs are being met. They're sort of nested under the church. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and the church does provide a lot of, of youth group activities, you know, it does provide a lot of, I mean, to some degree, it, it provides some advocacy, but it could could meet the needs of the members. They, they feel like their needs are being met by the little advocacy that it does do. Um, the, you know. the item here that alarmed me, or the items, I guess, that alarmed me the most are really the responsibility of parents. Yeah. You know, when we look at just that decline that we were seeing leading up to the to the pandemic of parents reading to young children of families having meals together it was just precipitous and then this upsurge in the kids using these uh, electronic devices for entertainment that that's just taking up an increasing part of the pie of family life and of childhood the idea that we were not building the social capital within our families you know, it doesn't. It seems to me that there's not a whole heck of a lot that the government could do to, to fix that, other than maybe a messaging or bully pulpit type thing. But really, that's a responsibility that falls on the families. You know, obviously, we're doing a comparatively great job of putting families together and keeping them together. But the life of those families, it did improve significantly in the pandemic in terms of families eating meals together and parents reading to their children. But it seems like, yeah, it's up to the parents to kind of rebel against the culture that's out there that's telling them to put a device in their kids' hands and walk away. Yeah, and so it's, it's definitely hard to, to mandate anything there um, in terms for the government. But but there are maybe policies um, this state could look towards to, to try and enable parents, I guess, to, to be able to spend quality time with their children. Um, and, and maybe that's through public messaging or trying to um, trying to develop other tools that that parents can use to kind of um, bridge that gap. You know, and, and one of the one of the things we talked about when we were, when we were addressing this this topic specifically is this might be a function of, of kind of Utah having um, a higher share of, of children per family. You know, having more children, you have as more scheduling conflicts and, and that can just leave parents running around, you know, filling people, you know, filling children's um, needs as they go to team or dance or, or sports or something like that. And they have less time to, to kind of build quality relationships inside their family, I guess. Sure. Although that could also become an excuse. I grew up in a family with five kids and we always had dinner together. Where there's a will, there's a way. Stepping back from this a bit, I mean, it does seem like a lot of these elements are probably interrelated with each other and support each other. One thing that strikes me is that part of the job of civic leaders and policymakers and individual families is to keep what we got. Uh, there are a lot of things that we're doing right, and we should sort of continue to be doing those things right. When we did this project, we also collected some past data because we wanted to, to kind of also kind of evaluate how things changed over time. We did see a broad dip, generally speaking, in 2017 in social capital among all states. Um, but, but Utah has really um, come out ahead in, in more recent years in 2021. And also kind of in the past, Utah hasn't always been first in the nation. You know, some of these other years that we looked at, like 20, 2017, um, 2013, 
Um, Utah was among the top three, but not always first in the nation. So just to, I guess, to provide a little bit of a broader context. I would love to see someone at an academic level dig in to this trend line. The long-term trend is a decline in social capital nationally. We know that you go back decades, you can kind of see an overall steady decline in social capital going back to, you know, the early 60s. You know, you look at this more recent time period where you have a decline from 2013 to 2017, not just in Utah, but nationally, and then an uptick from 2017 to 2021, it would be really interesting to have somebody go and unravel why that trend line looks the way it does. Yeah. And, and to some degree, there, there are issues that we've, we've kind of talked about, like that, that balance we talked about in Utah of, of turning back toward family and spending more time together. That was something we saw across almost all the states. Right. Um, and so that was that was something that kind of lifted all boats sure. um, in many ways. It just lifted Utah more. Right. Um, another thing, another big thing was uh, we saw like in the 2020 election, we saw a record number of like voter turnout. Right. Um, and so that was another thing that really lifted a lot of states up as well. Like those were those were kind of three or four factors that really improved over over some of the longer term trends. Yeah. Who would have thought that a health crisis that drove everybody into isolation would actually bring up? social capital of course yeah, that's, that's a really interesting point well thank you christopher very interesting uh would certainly encourage listeners to dig into this series or it's just chock full of interesting information no matter what angle you're you're interested in there's something for you peter just one one more uh, one pitch for a future future thing coming up we we're planning on uh making this data available to the public so that that people can kind of we're, we're trying to put together an interactive tool where people can look at different states, how different states, you know, we talked, mo- we focused mostly on Utah, um, but then you can kind of select different states and see how different states compare um, and also how these these factors have changed over time. So keep an eye out for that. We plan on, on releasing that in the next few months. So something more in this project to look forward to. Thank yeah. you, Christopher. Yeah, thanks, Peter. It was really exciting to talk about this. This has been Utah Thrives, Utah Foundation podcast. Follow our work at utahfoundation.org.